Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's Podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. Good morning, Epiphany. I have to tell you, this is not how I had anticipated spending our Sunday together. Back online for a Sunday service after 17 weeks of meeting in person. Before we begin our podcast service today, I thought I'd give a quick update to everybody on why we are back online for our Sunday service. One of our pizza night attendees got in touch with me Saturday morning with news. After having a fun time a Wednesday night at pizza night, they got word that a coworker had been diagnosed with COVID-19 and that as part of the contact tracing process, they had been exposed to the virus a week prior. After consulting with Mike Hauser in his capacity as senior warden, we both agreed on two things. One, because of how we structured our outdoor, distanced, not so close together pizza night, the chances of anyone at Epiphany getting the virus were incredibly low. And the second thing we'd agreed on was that it was better to be safe than sorry, especially when planning for the safety of the people we love and care deeply about at church. And so here we are, online, enjoying a nice fall morning in our warm homes instead of being bundled up together outside in the chilly fall air of a 10 a.m. service. Stay tuned to your inboxes, your email inboxes, for more information on our rescheduled annual meeting and our future gatherings. If you don't have email, I'll give you a call with more info. Let's all continue to pray for one another's health and safety let's pray for an end to this pandemic so we can return to the full and unhindered work that God has called us to. Good morning. This is Tim Landy, and I will be reading the Confession and Pardon. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Good morning. I'm Cody Hauser, and this is Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. One day speaks to another, and one night gives knowledge to another. 
There is neither speech nor language, and their voices are not heard. But their sound has gone out into all lands, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth as a bridegroom out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run his course. It goes forth from the utmost part of the heavens, and runs about to the end of it again, and there is nothing hidden from his heart. The law of the land is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the simple. The statues of the Lord are right and rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and the righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even from fine gold, sweeter also than honey, than the drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant taught, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? O cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep your servant also from presumptuous sins, lest they get the dominion over me. So shall I be undefiled and innocent of great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The first lesson is a selection from Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, and that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred, and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the th servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. 
So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The word of the Lord. Let's begin with the words that Cody read from Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon is brought to you by the 1980s pop rock band, Huey Lewis and the News. And while their pop anthem, I Want a New Drug, may get its own sermon one day because it's so theologically rich, uh, today's sermon is brought to you by their only number one hit, the one that was made famous by the movie Back to the Future. I'm talking about their song, The Power of Love. Uh, the power of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep and another man sink. Change a hawk into a little white dove. More than a feeling, it's the power of love. Right? That's just the first verse. You know, you keep going. Tougher than diamonds, rich like cream. Stronger and harder than a bad girl's dream. And here's this, ready? Make a bad one good. Mm, make a wrong one right. The power of love will keep you home at night. The first time you feel it, you make you mad. Next time you feel it, it might make you sad. But you'll be glad, baby, when you found that it's the power that makes the world go round. Did you catch all that? The theology there, right? Changing a hawk into a little white dove? I mean, absolutely, that's what love does. Uh, make a bad one good, make a wrong right? I mean, you know, you're talking about the gospel there at that point. Because Huey Lewis knows about the power of love, how it truly makes the world go round. And in our reading from Genesis 24 today, I want to talk to you about two different kinds of loves. And it's these two loves that are going to change both the course of the universe and the heart of a grieving young man. I want to give you an insight into what the power of love could do for your life too, um, hopefully by the end of the sermon today. And we've been with Abraham now in our study of the book of Genesis for nearly three full months of Sundays. And in our reading today, Abraham has one final task to accomplish before he dies, because Abraham is getting old. Uh, the text tells us he is advanced in years. And of all the tasks Abraham has to accomplish before he dies, one stands out among them. In the ancient world, marriages happened by family arrangement. And it was the father's duty to find a suitable spouse for his son, Isaac. And we know at this point that Abraham is pretty stinking old. In the last chapter, his wife, Sarah, sadly died at the age of 127. And we know from other Bible passages that Abraham is 10 years older than Sarah. So in his story today, Abraham is something like 137 years old. He's pretty old. And so, as our story begins, Abraham calls his trusted and most loyal servant to him, and he asks him to go out on a mission. Servant, find Isaac a wife. And there are two conditions for finding Isaac a wife, and here they are. The first, as Marge read, 
Uh, Do not take a wife for Isaac from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. And the second, also read by Marge today, do not make Isaac leave this land to go secure his wife and bring her home. Right? Don't find a local wife. Don't find someone local. And don't let Isaac travel to meet said wife. Find a suitable spouse and just bring her back home. And look, that's a very difficult request. Take a bunch of jewelry, camels and servants and the like, and use them to pay a dowry for a wife who's going to travel something like 660 miles uh, to marry a man she's never met before. It helps a little that Abraham is specifically looking for a daughter-in-law among his old clan, his old tribe, the people he lived with before he left to follow God's promise and travel south. But still, even for the ancient world, it's hard to organize an arranged marriage sight unseen. The task given to this servant in our reading today is not an easy task. But the servant, much true to his word, Uh, The servant agrees to the mission. He is off to find Isaac a wife. And he agrees to these two conditions by putting his hand under Abraham's thigh as a pledge. Um, We're not quite sure what the under the hand, under the thigh symbolism is there, but it's sort of like a solemn vow, maybe like a pinky promise. And then he grabs, the, the servant grabs a bunch of camels and jewelry and gold and silver and livestock, and he heads north. Uh, where from where we would say the modern-day world of Israel is, and he travels something like 600 miles north to modern-day Turkey, where he seeks out Abraham's old tribe for a suitable spouse. Now, full disclosure here, uh, Genesis 24 is one of the longest chapters in the whole of the book of Genesis, and it is, in fact, the eighth longest chapter of the whole Bible. If we were reading in person today and you had your bulletins, you could see the dot, dot, dot where I excised some of the reading to keep it within a reasonable time frame. This is a long passage, and so instead of having it read to you this morning, I'm just going to summarize what happens in the middle. Because the servant is looking for Abraham's old tribe, and, and, and so what he does is he sets up shop at the well outside the city Abraham used to live in. And it was the tradition that the women of a community during the cooler hours in the morning and the afternoon, they would gather together in sort of a gaggle and they would go fill jars at the well together. They'd fill the water jars. And so this city's well, if you're gonna scout out women for your master's son to marry, well, you know, go to the city's well. That's where one goes. And the servant says to God, God, where in the world am I going to find a woman for Isaac who will travel back south, sight unseen, and marry a man she's never met? And the servant says, God, if you really love Abraham, if you really love Abraham, do like you um, do this for me. You're going to have to help me out. If you really love Abraham like you say you do, you're going to have to make this thing happen. And so here's an idea servant says to God, the first woman to come out of this nearby village and offer me a drink of water and also offer my camel's water, she is the one. How's that for a sign, God? What do you think? This is quite the prayer this servant is praying. It's a bold prayer. And before long, I mean, not even before the servant finishes his prayer, this pretty young thing comes out uh, towards the well with her water jar. 
And the servant says, hey, can I have a drink? I'm a traveler. And the woman says, sure. Hey, and while I'm at it, I'll get some water for your camels. So talk about your prayers being answered quickly. Now, this is way better than online dating. And so the, this pr pretty young woman uh, waters the camels and the servant doesn't hesitate. He says, look, I asked God for someone and, and you're the one. And so he gives her a gold ring and some bracelets and says, hey, can I stay, stay with your family tonight? Also, I have a I have a proposal of sorts for you, which is a great pun. And the servant pauses as he connects with this woman whose name is Rebecca to thank God for dealing with a very difficult challenge so easily. Right? Apparently, God does love Abraham. And so the servant prays, God, you have proven that you really love Abraham and that you are steadfast and faithful to him. And this is proof of it. So thank you. This was easy. And as he's praying and worshiping God, the woman, Rebecca, runs back into town to help tell her family about the man making proposals and giving away jewelry at the well. And so Rebecca's family welcomes the servant into their home. They get right into the heart of the matter. Uh, the servant replays his story that he prayed to God for a wife for Isaac, and Rebecca was the answer to that prayer. And the servant would like to arrange a marriage between Rebecca and Isaac, and the family agrees. That prayer thing was pretty convincing to them. And the servant pays a dowry to the family, gold and, and silver and camels, and they party all night. The daughter, Rebecca, is now engaged. And so the next morning, after a bit of mild arguing about exactly when Rebecca would leave, uh, Rebecca says, hey, we can go today. And so they leave. Uh, it's a remarkable story about God's provision because our reading packs up, picks up um, as Rebecca finally heads 600 miles south home to meet her new husband. She's finishing up her trip and she's riding the camels and the whole entourage is there. And while they're still far off, Isaac, who is in the field, comes and meets the travelers. And Rebecca sees Isaac from a distance, discovers that that man is indeed her husband-to-be. And so she, she does the culturally appropriate thing. She puts down her veil over her face. Isaac receives her, and the two indeed are, are married. And so the provision of God in this story goes beyond the provision of a wife for Abraham's son. That's nice. I, that's really good. I really hope God provides a, a wife for my son one day who's as cool as Rebecca apparently is. Abraham's son, um, he's not just in need of a good wife, though. And Abraham is looking for more than just an arranged marriage. Remember, God's promise to Abraham is directly related to kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and beyond. God's promise was that Abraham would have so many descendants, they'd be like sand on a beach and stars in the sky. And the family would grow so big they would need to form a government to keep it all in line. And so that promise uh, to God linked to Isaac could not come true. God's promise could not come true without Isaac having a wife to continue Abraham's progeny. Isaac's wife is a key ingredient in the recipe for this promised family tree from God. And so God provides more than just a wife for the son. He provides the continuation of his promise unto future generations. The servant, in fact, in this chapter, uses a specific word 
to describe this love that God has for Abraham, this dependable, uh, sort of everlasting, solid, unwavering uh, love. And that word in the Hebrew is chesed. Um, that's the word. It's a famous Hebrew word. Some of you may have heard about it before, but the word is chesed. And I am going to do the guttural with it because that's how you how you have to pronounce it. The word chesed is a word that means something like the loving, faithful dependability of a family member. And so in this reading, Abraham's servant is praying, Dear God, this task is impossible. I hope that you really do chesed Abraham like you say you do, or else I'm not going to find anyone. You should help me. And then when the servant finds Rebekah, he prays again. He says, Dear God, this should have been impossible, but because of your chesed to Abraham, this mission is a success. Thank you. And when the servant goes to meet with Rebekah's family and propose the idea of marriage, he does indeed tout out the fact that God has a chesed relationship to Abraham. So this is not just a story about finding Isaac's wife. This is the story of God's chesed to Abraham, fulfilling promises, and, and God is just proving himself dependable in this story for every single aspect of the promises he makes. And that's not the only type of love in this story that we come across. Um, that in Genesis 24, we, we actually come across a second kind of love. Um, there's a story here about um, solace in the midst of real grief, and I want to draw your attention to that as well. It's at the very end of our reading in Genesis chapter 24. It's the last verse, and, and here's how it goes. Then Isaac brought her, his wife Rebekah, into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the first time in the whole of the Bible that we are told of a husband loving his wife. And this word in Hebrew, this version of love, is not the same love as chesed. This is a new word, and this word is ahav. And it's a word that means something more akin to traditional family love affectionate love, um, the romantic love between a husband and wife. It can mean the parental love for a parent or child. Um, the word ahav here works kind of like the English word for love, you know, where I can say, hey, you know, I love my wife and I love my kid. And then I can also say, oh my gosh, I love pizza. And you know what I'm talking about. And this word ahav, ahav fulfills that same kind of role in the Hebrew language. And that's important though. It's important for us to note because God arranged for this marriage and provided for Isaac something beyond, uh, you know, like two arms, two legs, and a womb. Uh, he provided Isaac with a hav. He provided Isaac with the love of a husband and wife. Um, they actually liked each other. And that was a luxury in the ancient world that not every couple got to enjoy in their arranged unions. They really seemed to have romance and attraction and genuine fondness for each other. And that's a big deal and something uh, to note um, because not only are Isaac and Rebecca in Ahav love, because this marriage was, yes, Ahav love, but this marriage comforted Isaac after his mother's death. 
So there's a consolation in this story. Isaac lost the Ahav love of his mother, but he gained the Ahav love of his wife. He lost the comforting, protecting, and nurturing, and encouraging Ahav of his mother, but he gained the sort of partnering and supporting and teamwork sharing Ahav love of a wife. It's a different kind of love, but it's not it's love nonetheless. And it's love that comforted Isaac in the midst of his real grief and helped him recover. So we have two Hebrew words for love. The first, chesed, is the love of God to this man Abraham. The second, ahav, is the marital love between Isaac and Rebekah. So these are two people who are receiving two different types of love. There's an anxious father who's receiving the chesed, dependable love of God, the trustworthiness love of God. And then you have the only son of a mother who has lost said mother in tremendous grief, um, receiving the ahav love, the romantic and partnering love of a wife. And these two loves uh, changed the course of history. The chesed love of God and the ahav love of Rebekah were part of the great series of dominoes that eventually remade the entire world. I don't want to speak more to that because, you know, we talk about the power of love to change people and the power of love to change the world. We, we talk about it as something that's profound and beautiful. But even though the cliche is that love can change the world and love can change people, I, we rarely believe it to be true. I don't know that we believe it to be true. I mean, if the national political landscape is any indication, what we really believe will change the world is uh, political activism and political victory and political willpower. If the national conversation about the role of government, the president, and, and this election cycle is any indication, um, you'll, you're going to see that we actually think in our actions and in our rhetoric that we think um, power will change the world. And you see it in the political advertisements and the smear campaigns and the raucous and contentious debates. Uh, that we think political willpower is what's really going to change the world. So despite all of our inclinations to think that love will change the world, in our activities, in our day-to-day -day actions, we think it's political willpower. We think that will change the world. Uh, related to that, uh, maybe we can change the world if we just argue with people on the internet a whole bunch. Again, if we're looking at our actions, then a lot of people out there don't think love will change the world, and you can tell by how they argue with people on the internet. If we just get hot and bothered on social media and type things in all caps and debate with anonymous internet strangers, maybe it'll change the world. I don't think it will. And this doesn't apply to all of you. Some of you don't have social media and you know, you're better off without it. But you, you know what I'm saying. Yelling at people on the internet, that's, that's what we think will really change the world if we look at our actions as opposed to our beliefs. And maybe we can change the world with our diets, right? You know, you go vegetarian and you cut your carbon footprint. Or maybe we can change the world with our wallets um, that we give to charity and shop local and maybe we don't go to Amazon and Walmart. Maybe we can change the world with violence. You know, that's certainly a tactic that we saw this summer on both a radicalized left and a radicalized right, that the idea that sort of 
Molotov cocktails or, or, or weapons and rifles or the display even of those things um, will change the world. Um, again, if we look at our actions as opposed to what we believe, then if we look at Minneapolis and Portland, there are a lot of people who believe that violence will change the world. And maybe we can change the world with shame. Maybe if we can make someone feel like a moral failure, they're going to change their behavior, right? And so we sort of engage in moral policing to get everyone to change their behavior. And if everyone just behaves like we do, that's coincidentally how it works, then uh, the world will change for the better. And you know, if you want to try to change the course of history, you can, you can try out those methods. Um, but the problem is that the change they produce is not lasting, uh, and none of those options will actually change someone's heart. None of those actions will change someone's heart. The wisdom of the Bible is that the political advertisements and the yelling at people online or the giving of lots of money to charities or the changing of your diet or throwing yourself at your work, at the end of the day, they cannot produce the kind of change uh, in a person that love can accomplish. At the end of the day, those things cannot produce the kind of change that the world wants to see in itself and in individual people. Right? Because what happens in our reading today? Uh, God's chesed love in our reading um, produces one of the thousands of dominoes that gets knocked over, one of these, these thousands of small baby steps that bring Jesus Christ into the world. You want to talk about love changing the world, uh, look no further than the ministry and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you see Rebecca's Ahav love in our reading today, it ends the grief and suffering of a young man who's just lost his mother. Right? Arguing politics is not an act of Ahav love. There isn't a political candidate in the history of the world that will give you chesed love. No diet, no job, no political party, no, no philanthropy, no violent act of revolution uh, is going to accomplish what love has done in the world through Jesus' death and resurrection and through the faithful, unerring, dependable love of God. Um, because you know he is someone who will chesed you. He is someone who will ahav you. That's God. God will give you that chesed love. God will give you that ahav love. The testimony of the saints past and present um, and the words written in our Bibles, all of them attest to the steadfast, dependable, close to the heart, on its sleeve love of God that can change the world and it can change your heart. Right? Name me one politician or one corporation or one act of shaming that forgave a sin or conquered death like Jesus' death and resurrection did. Look no further than the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to change a person, right? Because Huey Lewis was right. The power of love changes a hawk into a little white dove. It makes a good, makes, makes a bad good, it makes a wrong right. Right, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Huey Lewis knows what he's talking about. What? could love do for you this morning? Specifically, what could God's love do for you this morning? That's a question I want to leave you with today. Maybe you're feeling like our national life is spinning out of control and you want God to intervene with a little chesed and straighten things out. Uh, maybe you're feeling a grief uh, that comes from deep loss and you'd like to ask God for a little ahav in your life.
knowing the power of love as it's represented in our passage today will help you look out and see the healing and restorative fingerprints of God acting in our own orbit. Um, the love of God for Abraham and Isaac is the same love God has for you. You know, and don't be afraid to ask for it um, because it's all free and bought with uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. After all, you know, this is what Huey Lewis in the news knew from the beginning. You don't need money. You don't need fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ taught us, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. This is Mike Hauser. Hope everyone's well today. The Collect of the Day. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in continual godliness, that through your protection it may be free from all adversity and devotely serve you in good works to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world, for the peace of the whole world, and for the well-being and unity of the people of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For Foley, our Archbishop, Jim, our Bishop, for Brian, our Priest, and for all the clergy and people of our diocese and congregation, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who proclaim the gospel at home and abroad, and for all who teach and disciple others, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted for their faith, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our nation and for those in authority and for all in public service, especially Donald, our president, we, pay, we pray for his health and his well-being. Tom, our governor, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or other adversities, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the needs of this congregation, our own personal prayers, petitions, or thanksgiving, let us pray. At this time, take a moment, pray out loud for those that you'd like to. And again, we pray for Donald, our president. Lord, in your mercy, please hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, 
Grant these our prayers for Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let's conclude our time together with this prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you've made. We bless you for our creation and for our preservation and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, and for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth our praise to you, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. And friends, glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.